Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you that we get to celebrate the promise of Jesus Christ being born in Bethlehem. And we knew that he was born so that one day he would go to the cross to die on that cross for our sins. And Lord, you promised him and you sent him and he came and he died and he set each and every one of us free from our sin as we believe in him. And so, Lord, we just pray that you'd speak to our hearts today through Brett as he shares this morning. We thank you for Brett being with us. But, Lord, more than anything else, may we keep you at the center of this Christmas season and keep our focus on what Christmas is really about, and that is Jesus. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Well, let's welcome Brett. Uh, Brett Hollis was with us Tuesday night for our comedy show. Uh, Brett and I go way back 20-plus years, and... It's just a pleasure to have him with us today. So let's uh, once again give him another warm welcome. Amen. Good morning, Christian Hills. I love coming here. You know, I had someone come up to me this morning, and they looked very surprised, and they said, you're still here? And I said, you know, that's funny because I've been here since Tuesday, and I believe that's the look I get from Kathy every morning when I come down the stairs. Like, you're still here? Actually, the McCartneys have been very gracious hosts to me. Thank you very much for everything you've done. I think Pastor Mike is a uh, long-lost twin of mine, actually, as we hang. <laughs> she, she's already saying amen in the message, so that's good. That's good to know. I actually uh, was in Wisconsin for the first 10 days, and then I came here after I was there for 10, year, 10 days. And it's, I'll tell you something interesting. I was staying in Madison but I found out that I had relatives in, I think it's called Middleton, something like that. Anyhow, I have relatives, and I hadn't seen some of these relatives for 39 years. And they invited me over for dinner, and I went over there, and it was such a great time. And I, I walked in, and I, you have to know something. I'm a hunter. I love to hunt. And when I walked in there, they have a farm, and they had all these deer mounts uh, that my cousin had gotten on his farm. And I was just in eyes. Oh, this is amazing. And one of them is like a record, like a record buck. And I just said, can I take a picture? Can I take some pictures of your deer? He's like, yeah, go ahead. You know, I took all these pictures. We had dinner. We had a great visit. We laughed. We talked. We reminisced. I got in the car and was driving back to where I was staying in Madison. And I called my wife on the speakerphone. I said, oh, she goes, how'd it go? I said, it was so good. I said, I haven't seen them in 39 years. And and uh, I said, you should see the deer that he has. I got pictures of these deer. I got to send these to you. And she goes, well, did, did you get pictures of them? And I said, oh, well, what do you mean? You know, like the family. Did you take pictures of your family? And, you know, it was, you know how you have those moments, you know? And I, I was just driving. I was silent for a minute. And Kim's like, Brett? You know, it's funny, honey. I said, <laughs> I didn't. Brad, you haven't seen them for 39 years, and you took pictures of their dead animals, and you didn't take any of them? And I said, yeah, but you ought to see this deer. I mean, it is, it's an incredible deer, you know. So here's, here's what I want to do today. I want to get some pictures today just for my wife. You know, she's kind of into the picture thing. And so I'm wondering if you could just, just do me a favor. I'm going to get a shot here, and if you can look happy, you know what I mean? I think it always adds to it, and I think my wife will, oh, they were enjoying their time, and I'll try to get you guys up there as well. And 
Uh, I'm going to do like this panoramic deal. So when I go like this, when I get to you, you know, just, you know, look smiley, uh, maybe do the wave. You know, however, however you guys want to do this, the shot. Now, if you don't want to be in the picture, close your eyes and bow your head and I'll tell her you are really spiritual. All right. So, so are you ready? When I, when I count to three, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get a picture of you here and, uh, you know, do the thing. Ready? One, two, three. Go ahead. Can we start over? Listen. Listen. That needs to... Let me delete that. Can... Why don't you... Can you act happy, too? Okay. I know it's a little early, but do like a woo or something. You know what I mean? Get into it, because she can tell. She can tell through the, the pictures. Are you ready? One, two, three. Here we go. <laughs> well, Mike's here. Okay, all right, here we go, here we go, and in the balcony, okay, okay, well, you guys need to wake up. Uh, I need, let's see, I need a, I need someone to volunteer. Hey, will you, will you come, will you come and do me a favor? I need, I want to show her that I was preaching and stuff, so here's what I want to, and th listen, I wanted a, I wanted a young person, you know why? Because Older people don't take very good pictures with phones. You get like an earlobe and part of a wall. But the last time, how old are you? 16. Last time I had a 16-year-old take a picture. In fact, it was here. I think it was with me and Pastor Mike. I said, could you get a picture of us? Sure. They took like 300 of the same pose. I had to go home and delete 299 of them. Just take one at a time. Can you come here? No, where are you going? That's my phone. Don't walk away with that. Okay, come over here. Stand about like. Stand about right, right here, okay? I'm going to get up there. I want you to get a shot of me preaching, okay? Okay, when I say when, okay, on the count of three. One, two, th three. Did you get it? Okay, now let's do another one on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Did you get that? She wants one of me happy? Okay, here's one of me happy. I got to have the Bible. Ready? On the count of three. Is it good? All right. Thank you. very. Hey, wait. Let's do it. Are you good at selfies? Let's do a selfie. You and me. All right. Okay. You ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks for your help. Yeah, give her a hand. Oh, wow. Good. We got that taken care of. It is Christmas time. It is the time for giving and receiving. Man, people are busy shopping. I haven't even started. Like, I, I've been gone so long, I start when I get home tomorrow. But there's hustle and there's bustle, and it's just that time of year. And it's always stressful for me, though, because my wife always is a better shopper than me. She gets me better gifts than I get her, and it's not on purpose. It's just she's better at it. I don't know like, she knows how to get good deals. I don't really know how to get good deals. So it's always this nerve-wracking thing. I'll tell you this. My wife bought me a new shirt. It's a, it's a black Adidas golf shirt. And the first time I wore this, I was excited. You know when you get new clothes or whatever, you get excited. You can't wait to wear it. I put on this shirt. We're going to a family get-together, big family reunion. I get in the car. I go to put the seatbelt on, and there's dog hair all over my shirt. 
Anybody else here owns it? I own a German Shepherd. Anyone else owns a dog? It just the hair thing is just annoying. And I was like, oh, and I'm trying to brush it off. It wouldn't come off. And I grabbed it. It was my stomach hair poking through the shirt. It was the grossest thing you've ever seen in your life. And I walked in. It looked like I was trying to smuggle a porcupine into the gathering. I was just, you know, trying to pull the, the shirt back. But, but normally, she's, she's a great shopper. And Christmas shopping has changed. Now most people do it with Amazon. They do it online. Uh, a lot of people don't go into the store. I still like to go into the store. But gift cards. Gift cards were a great invention because that way you can just give a gift card to a place that you think they might like, and then they can just choose their own thing, and it's, it's stress-free. The problem is they have changed how they do gift cards now. Okay, So it used to be that you get a gift card, and it could be for $25 or $50 or $100, whatever. You just give them that. Nowadays, they have gift cards that up in the left-hand corner, they have the number 15, dash, and it goes to 100. So this card, you can put on the card $15 up to $100. Sounds simple enough. But last Christmas, someone gave me one of these gifts. Time to take things easy. It's time to sit back. What I want you to do this morning is I want you to sit back and I want you to think about something with me. We're going to go on a little journey about gift giving. Because here's what I want you to think about. I want to start off today by reminding us that we learned giving from God. That God is the ultimate gift giver. God loves to give. He loves, it's who he is. He loves to bless. And we have learned the art of giving ultimately from God. You see, God gives us life. He gives us health. He gives us our finances. He gives us a place to stay. He gives us help in our time of need. He gives us his Holy Spirit. To start the morning off, James 1.17 It says, every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. What a cool, the Father of the, the stars and the moon and the sun in its place. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights to give to us from who he is. And it's interesting when it says here. You see, the reason I want to bring this up this morning to start with is Life changes. The world changes. Every day you could watch the news and you could see how much the world is changing. This is not the same world that I felt we, we lived in 10 years ago, theoretically speaking. <clears throat> 10 years ago, I remember, <clears throat> excuse me, I remember sitting on the couch in, in uh, 2001 watching the second plane hit the Twin Towers. And my son was in kindergarten, and he was coming into the room right when that happened. And all of a sudden, there was a shifting in my mind that this world is way different than the world I grew up in. 
My kids, my son is going to be 25 in, in a few weeks. My daughter's 22. The world my kids know is terrorism, shootings in schools. I mean, my daughter works for a sportsman's uh, store, and she was telling me the other day that they got a new shipment of backpacks now for school that have armored plate, bulletproof plates in, the, in them, so when you're walking down the hall, if there's a shooter, it'll, it should save your life. I did not grow up in a society like that. I did not grow up in a world like this. And as Pastor Mike and I were talking earlier this week, what's it going to look like in 10 years? What's it going to look like in 20? Well, here's the point. Things change. Worlds are, the world changes. The way we see things change. The things that are celebrated sometimes change in our society. We change. The older I get, the more I change. I don't like all of the changes. I'll give me an example. As in my who loves to give. strength, power, endurance, he will give you his presence in all of this change. God never changes. Listen, that's the only thing we've got going for us when it comes to change is he is the one steady at all times. He will never change. And the reason I think that's so important is everything else around you is shaky ground. This is why we need to base our life on the word of God and build our life on the rock, Jesus Christ, because he is our foundation. He is the only one that will not change and keeps us sure-footed when the times do change. So he loves to give. And when he gives, the gifts he gives are good and they're perfect. And I think it's important for you to know good because here's the deal. Sometimes people get this idea that God is after them that God is against them and not for them, that they experience things because God just wants to make their life miserable. And the truth is, is God wants not only good for you, he wants the best for you. And so when God gives to you, it's for your own good. It's for your purposes. Now, his gifts come packaged differently. They look different. They come wrapped differently. But he gives, and he's a good giver. And it's because of him that we have learned the goodness of giving. You see, when I give... I'm representing the giver. When I give, I'm representing God. When I give, let's say this, when I give financially to someone in need, I am showing God to that person. When I give a gift, when I give my time, when I give my talents, I'm expressing God to those around me because I am being a giver and he is the epitome of a giver. Now, what I want to talk about is the greatest gift that he ever gave. It's the Christmas season. We're already geared up for giving and receiving gifts. But God gave the greatest gift we'll ever, ever receive. And that's his son. And I'm going to ask you to turn to the Gospel of John. Let's go to John 3.16. And I know that you might be sitting here and you might be thinking, oh, I know John 3.16. I don't even need to turn there. Well, I'd still like you to turn there because what I think has happened with John 3.16 over the years in churches 
is I think we get so used to it. We memorize it. Maybe for some of you, it was the first verse that you ever memorized. Maybe for some of you, you grew up in Sunday school and you've heard it your whole life. Maybe it's on a plaque on your wall at home. I don't know. Maybe, maybe today this is the first time you've ever heard it, and that excites me because it's a great and powerful scripture. But the reason I want us to walk through it is I, I think we, we have a tendency at times to just go, oh, yeah, yeah, I know what it says, and we blow over the purpose and the meaning of it, and we don't let it sink in, and I want it to sink in today. So in light of the fact that God is a giver, in light of the fact that all of his gifts are good and perfect, let's read John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave, you see that? That he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God gives out of love. For God so loved the world. That means that God loves you. And if I came all the way from Seattle to tell you this, I want you to remember it. God loves you. God loves you. And maybe you came here this morning feeling like God tolerates me. God hasn't snuffed me out yet. God thinks I'm okay. God loves you. If you've been questioning that, I want you to know that God loves you. And it's, it's really important for you to know this because if you go through life feeling like God doesn't love you, you're going to see your circumstances in a totally different perspective. If you go through life knowing God loves you, you will see life, you will see those gifts, you will see those things differently. You will see your circumstances differently. It's really important that you understand and believe Scripture. Because, see, there are people in this room, there are people in this room that would probably say, I believe in God. I believe in God. I believe he sent his son Jesus for me. I believe in God. But some of those same people may not always believe God, if that makes sense. Let, Let me tell you what I mean. I can believe in God, I can believe he exists, and I can even believe the scripture that he sent his son. But it's hard for me to believe that he loves me. Do you see what I'm saying? We not, we not only need to believe that he is who he is, we need to believe that what he says is true. And the reason this is important is when you're in a difficult circumstance, you need to make sure that you're grounded on the fact that here's the one thing I know. I may not know all the details. I may not know why I'm going through this. I may not know how long I have to go through this, but I know that God loves me, and I know he does things for my good, and I know he's going to give to me in this, and what he gives to me is good, and it's perfect for me. I need to have that foundation. But too often, people sit here, and they treat it like a flower. You treat your circumstances like a flower, and you say, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not. You get a promotion at work, God loves me. Your tire is flat the next morning, you go, why does he hate me? And we can't live like that. We can't live as though he is shifting like shadows. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He does not change. So when he says he loves you, Stick with it. He loves you. 
So God so loved the world. That means he loves you. That means he loves me. That means he loves people that look differently than you. It means he loves people who act different than you. It means that he loves Republicans and Democrats. He loves bipartisan. He loves all people. He loves the single mom. But I want you to understand here. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave. His giving is always out of his love. He gave. What did he give? God has a son named Jesus. The reason it's called his one and only son is because he is of the same essence of God, the same makeup of God. He never, God so loved the world, even when the world did not love him. See, here's a weird thing. God loves the world, but the world hates God. And, and, we walk through life and, and we naturally have this tendency to have a great relationship with God until sin came in the picture. And when sin came in the picture, their spirit within them died and their bodies began to die and something changed. And what changed was instead of coming out to meet God, they played hide and seek with God. They hid. They tried to hide from him. And we do this in life. We are born naturally as sinners. And we're all really good at it. If you don't feel like you're good at anything, you can always tell people, well, I'm, I'm good at sinning. You see, we never have to take a class on sinning. You don't have to take a sinning 101. We're good at it. We do it. We do it naturally. But what God wants for us is supernatural. And he wants eternal life. And when you could not get up to him, he came down to you. You see, when you could not get up to him, when you could not live a righteous life, when you could not live a life that lives up to his holiness and his standard, instead of him becoming angry and saying, I'm going to wipe you all out, I'm going to cast you into hell, I'm going to do... He said, you know what, I love you so much that I'm going to send the greatest gift to you. And why did he have to come to the earth? Why did his son Jesus have to come to the earth? Here's why. Because sin needed to be dealt with. And, and this leads us to our next passage, and I'm going to have you go ahead and we, we might bounce back to John 3.16, but I'm going to go ahead and have you go to uh, Romans chapter 6. You can go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin, that means that when you live a life of sin, when you naturally sin, as we all do, the result is death. It's spiritual apart from God. It's being apart from life. It's being apart from light. It's eternity. That's the bad news. And really, you know how people come to you and they say, But the good news is this. It goes on to say, but the gift, remember, he's a giver, but the gift of God 
is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the good news. And it's not just good news. That's great news. It's not just great news. That's the greatest news you will ever hear in your life. That is the whole reason we are here today. That is the whole reason we sang today, because we have a story to tell. We have great news, and that great news has to do with the greatest gift ever given to us, and that's a new start. That's a new beginning. That's eternal life. You see, Jesus had to come because sin had to be dealt with, and, and sin is so terrible to God that he made a rule a long time ago that the wages of sin is death. So the only way to appease God with sin is by taking the life. So this is why why in the Old Testament you had all these animal sacrifices, gross animal sacrifices. They'd come and they they would put their hand on the head of a goat or whatever. They would slice the neck of the goat. It would bleed out. And what they were doing is they were saying, I am placing my sins on the head of this goat, and he is representing me. He dies because God said there's life in the blood. So that blood is spilled out, and that made a temporary atonement covering of the sins of the people. But you see, it was never left up to animal sacrifices because animals cannot clear the conscience of man because they're animals and we're humans. And yet there was never a good enough human that could possibly represent mankind because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. Like I said, we're all good at this. We all blow it. We all mess up. We have all sinned. So here's a problem. And God looks at this and he says, I have the solution to that problem. You couldn't get up to me. I will come to you and I will give the living sacrifice for your sins. So he sends his son Jesus in the form of a human. Now, this is crazy. Jesus was both man. He, was, he had a human body. He had blood. He had feelings. He was human. He was 100% human. But at the same time, he was 100% God. He did not set apart or set aside his deity to become Man, He was both man and God. And the reason for that was because he needed to represent man in his sin and be able to die. But he also needed to represent the holiness of God and be a perfect example of living true righteousness. So we needed a representative. We needed a mediator who could represent both God and man. So here Jesus comes to the earth. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his son, not just to be born in a manger, although he was born in a manger. Now, now we saw the video and we sang songs today that, that Jesus' mom was a virgin, that the power and spirit of God came upon her and she became pregnant. And it was a miracle. And she gave birth. And I hate to ruin Christmas for you, but that song, Silent Night, Silent night, holy. I do not believe that was a silent night. You know what I'm saying? You got a virgin teenage girl giving birth for the very first time, and you have God coming to earth with skin on. Don't tell me that was a silent night. I mean, I think he came out of there like, what is this? 
And poor Joseph, you know, he already forgot to make reservations. They're in a barn. The only thing he had going for him was <coughs> when she's screaming in pain, he's like, hey, don't look at me. I had nothing to do with this. I Talk to him. And you know what? For all the rest of us, that's what we need to say today. Don't look at me. I had nothing to do with it. He came, and he lived a sinless life, and he walked this, this earth, and he had people following him, masses following him. He had disciples that he raised up, and he taught, and he spent time with, and, and he began to do miracles that people had never seen, and he walked on water, and he, and he healed the sick, and he healed the blind, and he raised the dead, and he did all of these amazing things, and he taught about the Father, and he taught about eternal life, and he taught about heaven, and all of this. And then the next thing you know, he's dragged away. Nicest guy you could ever meet. Nicest guy that's ever walked the face of the earth. And the religious people hated him. And they arrested him. They beat him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. He was so bloody, it says, when they nailed him to a cross, he was so bloody that his best friends couldn't even recognize him. That's what a mess he was. Please, look, if you've got this image of Jesus on a cross with just maybe a tear and a couple drops of blood, you're not understanding the real picture of what happened. He was so messed up that those closest to him did not recognize him. And he's on a splintery cross with a raw back from being whipped over and over and over again. And it was so confusing to everybody. Wait a minute. Things. And he, and now what is this? What's going on? What's happening? And you know, I have to tell you this. We have confusing times in our life.